came across a story recently and I was hoping that I could find the clip, but I couldn't. I was going to show it for you guys, but I came across a story recently of this gas station owner who um, had recognized that there was this young teen going through his store and stealing food. And he confronted the teen and had the police called and started to unload the teen's pockets on the counter. Uh, I saw the food and the gas station owner, as he's waiting for the police and the teen's kind of crying, he starts talking to him and he asks, he says, why would you steal from me? What, what's going on? And the teen began to explain that he had a younger brother and that he and his younger brother hadn't eaten for a few days. And so he was just trying to get small stuff that he could fit in his pockets to feed his younger brother and so that he might have something to eat as well. The gas station owner, hearing this, uh, decided to call off the dispatch. And so he calls the police back and he says, I won't be pressing charges. There's really no need for you to come. And after he does that, he, he's got one of those gas stations that has like the actual food behind the glass window, you know, that you can get. And so he starts to pack him a bag and he just starts packing him food. And he says, you know, you really shouldn't be stealing the junk that uh, isn't going to feed you well. Take this instead because it, it's going to be a, a real meal for you guys. And so he goes on to explain because the story got around and the news station comes and they're interviewing him. And he, un he, he goes on to explain that the young man's situation was bad enough and that prosecuting him and making him a criminal was going to do nothing for that young man in his future. He went on to explain that how in his life when he was down on his luck and facing hard times that people had shown him grace and helped him out. And he went on to further say that he thought that what would go around would come back around to him. Last week, one of the last things I told you was that as Christians, we have to really truly understand what grace is so that we know how to show grace to others. The reason I said that is because one of the very main reasons that we as Christians, that we as people receive grace from God is so that we can be gracious to one another. See, that becomes our job. We're going to be in Galatians 5, we're going to look at verses 13 and 15 this morning. You can turn in the Bible app there, follow along a live event that we have. Use one of those old-fashioned things that's leather and paper uh, or follow along on the screen with us. But Galatians 5, 13 through 15 says, You are my brothers and sisters. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. See, grace gives us purpose. Grace gives each and every one of us purpose. And showing us grace, God gave us purpose in one fell, fell swoop. God blesses us with this gift, with this gift, and challenges us to use it to serve one another. We don't just receive it to be free. We receive it to bring each other to freedom. We don't just receive grace to be free. We receive it to bring one another to freedom. Experiencing God's grace demands humility, servitude, and love. I want to make sure you hear that order correctly. It's not humility, servitude, and love, and then grace. It's grace, and then humility, servitude, and love. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We've talked a lot about gifting here at Crosspoint. The fact that each and every one of us has a role and a job that only we can do because God has designed it 
to be that way. One of the things we haven't discussed is that that is one of the main ways that God shows us grace. He shows us grace by giving us purpose in life. And each and every one of us has that gift that we are used, we are to use for a very specific purpose, to show grace to the world. You see, because when the body of Christ is working the way that it should and that everyone is doing their job the way that we should, we are a machine that continues to just spit out grace. It's kind of like Oprah. You get grace and you get grace and you get grace and you get grace. It's our job to be gracious. 1 Corinthians 9.19, this is Paul talking. He says, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. So you could argue that in the history of Christianity, one of the people, if not the person who has received the most grace was Paul, the apostle. Paul, if you don't know, and a lot of us do know, was Saul, killer of Christians, right? He went around massacring those who proclaimed Jesus as their savior. He took it upon himself as his job to kill those who said, I believe in this Jesus that I've come across. Now, obviously, after meeting God on the road, God completely changed his life, completely changed his way, offered him grace. Paul, talking about the grace, knowing so well about the grace that he has received, understands that because of that, he doesn't belong to anyone. He, he's free from obligation and yet, and yet has allowed that grace to change him and mold him but I find that to be extremely difficult at times. But we should all give grace to the degree that we would like to receive it. We should all give grace to the degree that you would like to receive it. See, grace can be defined as loving someone else as you love yourself. Loving someone else as you love yourself. And I think we would all agree that we are big fans of when grace is shown to us. I'll give you an example. A couple weeks ago, I was pulling out of my neighborhood, and I live kind of out in the country, but in a subdivision, and this road that kind of splits through the two subdivisions that are on the other side and takes you further out in between Willard and Springfield is a road that I've been driving my entire life, and, and when I grew up and I was driving on that road all the time with Grandpa or Mom and Dad or brother and sister, the speed limit was like 45, 50 miles an hour. Well, they got these subdivisions out there. Now they've changed it to the devil's speed limit, 35. <laughs> Who in the world goes 35 anywhere? I don't know. It hurts. It's almost physically impossible for me to do that. I have to hold my foot up off the gas pedal. Do you all understand how much my foot weighs? <laughs> I get this weird cramp right about here as I'm driving along because I've had to keep my foot up off the gas pedal in order to try to go 35 miles an hour. So about two weeks ago, I was coming out in the neighborhood and, and believe it or not, I wasn't going 35 miles an hour. Uh, and there was a highway patrolman in front of me who kind of lives out by where I do, but he was on duty and he's finding a way to another highway. I don't know what he was doing, but he's driving in front of me and I see him stop and I go past him and then I see him pull out and I see his lights come on. And that's when I learned that highway patrolmen have radar detectors in their back window. Uh, so if you didn't know that, know that. So he said, well, two things. One, I was going the speed limit and you were gaining on me. So I had a feeling you were speeding. So I checked your speed and I clocked you at this. Does that sound about right? Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. 
Uh, so I just gave my license and insurance and waited for my ticket. And he came back and he said to me, I just need you to slow down. Obey what the speed limit says, as hard as that may be. Have a great day. No ticket, no warning ticket. He let me go. It was grace. It was wonderful. I loved it. Five minutes later, I'm driving down the road. This maniac whips out around me. He's going, I said, I hope he gets pulled over and gets a ticket. <laughs> right? We all love grace when it's shown to us, but it's so much harder to show it to others when we feel like they don't deserve it. It's really nice to be able to love everyone as yourself. That idea is almost utopian, but the practice of it can be very, very difficult. The statements pulling teeth or stubborn as a mule are coming to mind for me. I don't know about you. See, the fact of the matter is that we all love grace when it's shown to us, but we find it really difficult to give to others. See, we want others to get what they have coming to them. We want them to receive what it is that they deserve. We want outlaws justice. Why? Because it feels good. You wronged me, now you're going to pay. You wronged me, now you're going to pay. If I can make sure that you receive yours, what's coming to you, you're going to get it, right? That's a natural human inclination. It's also an attitude that I have far too often. Far too often. Matthew 6.15 and Matthew 7.2 are pretty clear examples of the dangers of having that double standard. Matthew 6.15 says, But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. If you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. That stings a little bit. Just a little. Just a little bit. Surely he didn't say anything like that again. Matthew 7, 2, For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured to you. Whoa. Yeah, not a big fan of those two verses. Those sting a lot. I mean, I deserve to be forgiven. I, I you know, I made mistakes. I feel really bad about it. I've, I've asked Jesus to forgive me, and I've been true in, in seeking repentance, but... That guy just, he was so wrong. He was just so wrong. When it comes down to it, we've received grace that we do not deserve. Who are we to determine who's worthy of receiving grace and who isn't? It's not our job. We've been set freed. Set free to love others and to share grace. There's a pretty good reason for that as well, and that's because the absence of grace is frankly destruction. The absence of grace is destruction. The verses that we based our sermon out of this morning tells us that if we bite and devour others, we'll destroy them. As representatives of Christ, how can we in good conscience risk being responsible for the pain of others? As sons and daughters of Christ, how can we possibly allow ourselves to be at fault for the destruction of our fellow creation? It feels good to get justice, yes. It feels good to get justice. 
And yet, we're not having to answer that call when it's facing our way. And I think too often, as Christians, we like to take pride in our forgiveness, take pride in the fact that grace has been given to us as if we somehow have done something to deserve it, as if because we have grace, that means that God looks on us with more favor. And the fact of the matter is that grace has been offered to everyone. It's just there's some out there that haven't chose to receive that yet. And as I've said so many times, it's our job. It's our job to bring people into that relationship and realization that grace is offered to them. And we just can't do that if we walk through this world being judge, jury, and executioner. One of the things I wish for you and that we should pray for is that we keep from letting the way people treat us affect the way that we treat them. Hear that again. We should keep from letting the way that people treat us affect the way that we treat them. See, one of the rules in my classroom at school is that I expect my students to be kind. I've got it posted up on the wall. It's big, bold letters. Be kind. I work in a special education classroom where students have all sorts of difficulties. They range from very serious to minor, and yet they just all need a little extra help. And so they struggle at times with various aspects of school. And at times, yes, those struggles are in their control, but at other times they have those struggles because of situations that they had no control over. But I've tried to get them to see and understand that the one thing that you can always control is how you treat one another in this classroom. I was an excellent student. And I don't say that to, to brag. I've had maybe two or three B's in my entire life. Every other grade has been A, an A. And school has been one of those things that's really easy for me. It just has been. I'll see people f that I went to school with and you know what they never say? You are such a great student. I just remember how smart you are and the grades you made. You know what they remember? How awful or how well I treated them. Unfortunately, I think that there's probably more in the you treated me awful arena than there are as, hey, you treated me great. Not something I'm proud of. Ephesians 2.8 says that it's, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. How can we deny others something that we have received so freely? How can we deny others something that we have gotten that we honestly don't deserve. I can tell you one thing. I have no desire to be treated as I deserve. And I'll explain. I have no desire to be treated as I deserve. I don't want death. I don't want gnashing of teeth. I don't want lakes of fire. I don't want punishment that fits the crime. Because if that's what I am going to receive, then I am destined for an eternity of hell.
but God, but God has shown me grace that I have never to this point in my life deserved. And if I'm being frank, I don't know that I'll ever be in a place where I feel like maybe I should have just gotten a little bit of it. God has shown me grace. He took a sinner who would be on the podium of sinners and said, even you, even you, grace is for you. And grace is for everyone. Because I don't want to receive punishment that fits the crime, because I don't want death, and I don't want gnashing of teeth, and I don't want lakes of fire, I find it necessary to be gracious to those around me. Because God has ultimately shown me what grace is and has called me through that grace to use it, to use it, to love my neighbor as I love myself. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now. I thank you for this day. And I ask you that you give us opportunities to show grace to others. It's a weird prayer request. Maybe it'll put us in situations that we're not too happy to be in. But God, I pray that you give us opportunities to practice, to look upon others in their mistakes and say, you know what, I've made mistakes too. And I've been forgiven of those mistakes by a God who loves me. And that God who loves me has called me to love my neighbor as I love myself. And because I know that if I was in your situation, I would want to receive grace. I just want to offer grace to you. Help us to be people who love first and love above all else. Help us to be people who will leave the judgment to our God. The only one who has any business judging anyone at all. Help us to understand that you have given us purpose, not just forgiveness.